Welcome to episode three of Behind the Ops. Today, we're lucky to have with us Mike Rausch from Tico Tractors. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Great. So, Mike, do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners, a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing at Tico Tractors? Yeah, I started uh, Tyco as an environmental health and safety specialist, and I was interested in manufacturing engineering, and opportunity opened up internally to create that position, so I pursued that. And one of the first things under that new role was setting up uh, work instructions, standard work. And I looked at a couple different options, and we started with PDFs and other things like that, and looking for a solution on that, and that's how we came across uh, Tulip. But I've been here about three years, and so far it's been a lot of fun. Okay, got it. So do you mind describing to our listeners what Tico Tractor manufactures? Yeah, they make a terminal tractor, which I didn't know what they were before I started here, but it's a very short version of a semi-tractor trailer. So it only has one axle typically on the back, and they use that to move containers or trailers around a yard. In the ports is where they use them most often. The shipping containers come off the ships, they drop them onto a trailer, and it's pulled by this little tractor, basically. And that's what we manufacture. That tractor moves it into a yard and then drops it off without having to do a whole hookup scenario where they just they have a boom that lifts up the front of the trailer and just starts pulling it. Uh, they have brake hookups, obviously, but it's it's a quick shuttle. They call them shuttle tractors is the other thing. But Tyco started with renting those out to ports in different areas, and then they decided that they wanted to build a better tractor for themselves, for maintenance purposes, and they ended up doing that. And it became so successful, they just decided to start selling them, kind of a surplus what we make, and they've taken off. Um, Of course, they say they're the best version of the tractor, and from a maintenance standpoint, I believe that to be true, because they do operate their own fleet. They're the only company, I believe, that operates their own fleet of what they build. They have that link from a maintenance standpoint, how to make a, the easiest to maintain tractor, the most reliable for uptime. So they, they have kind of the edge on the market in that sense. That's awesome. And where is the manufacturing facility based? Ridgeland, South Carolina is our manufacturing. The corporate place is in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And then there's ports throughout the country that they have fleets for rental purposes. Okay, got it. And so in, in the South Carolina facility, it's mostly assembly of the tractors? Yeah, we build the entire tractor from the ground up. We weld uh, all the components here. Oh, good. Some of the stuff is subbed out, but raw steel comes in and we have a, a finished tractor to roll out. Uh, you know, obviously, we buy in engines and tires and things like that. So it's truly a whole manufacturing process from the welding to the painting to the, the final assembly. Okay, that's awesome. And what did you do before Tyco? Before Tyco, I worked at Gulfstream for about a year as a contractor, not in engineering, just uh, physical labor. <laughs> And then before that, I was at another manufacturing plant as environmental health and safety. And prior to that, I was in the Air Force for 11 years as a aircraft maintenance and EOD. Okay, got it. And so you mentioned that some of the first projects that you worked on at Tyco were setting up the digital work instructions? Well, it wasn't even digital. It was just we wanted standard work. We weren't even looking at digital to start with. Okay. So it was just we wanted some paper copies or something to start with for instructions on how to do the job. Uh, okay. And before then, there was there was nothing? Just nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing. So before then, people were just doing it on their own knowledge and experience? Right. Tribal knowledge. Every This guy shows the next guy, shows the next guy. And that's how we build things. So there are definitely lots of good reasons to implement digital work instructions, but was there something specific that instigated the need to set up these digital work instructions? Yeah. Uh, One of the biggest threats to this was turnover. At any moment in time, there's, you know, maybe three or four people that knew how to do one particular job that's critical to the operation. 
if all three of those people were gone for some reason, sick, or they just decided to leave, we were high and dry. There'd be nobody that could do that job. And then to gain the knowledge to learn how to do that job again would take days and weeks, which when you're on a production line isn't acceptable. So the big threat was the potential for a high turnover or a loss of employees to you know another company or you know, everybody else and quits or they find better jobs. So there was a huge risk to our business in that sense. Hmm. Loss of knowledge, basically. And I assume there was also a lack of visibility into the process. Did you know how long each of the processes were taking, where the mistakes were happening and so no, forth? Absolutely not. And that's another good point is that we didn't know how long things take. Sometimes people work really hard and they'll push to get a goal and it would happen in, in two hours and then some days it would take eight hours to do the same task. And we couldn't really understand what particular reason why that was, whether it's a part shortage or it was a, something to do with the process. And it was just kind of opaque to us. In the process of making work instructions, we've broken down all the tasks individually and can truly identify how long it takes to do a job. And then you can truly see the visibility. Is it a parts issue? Is it a personnel issue, a tooling, you know, setup of the work cell, all that information. Okay. So for somebody who's never seen the solution, do you mind describing what this first go around of digital work instruction looks like and some of the benefits sure. that they bring? So we started with paper copies, trying to make a PDF of how to do each step. And that was very cumbersome, labor intensive, a lot of work to update. And then we went to a PowerPoint, which is a little bit better, easy to manipulate. And that was good for someone to be able to follow along like a paper copy of the work instruction. But when I looked at the digital solutions out there, I started seeing all the things that you could do where it's interactive. And that's what turned me on to Tulip. When I first saw that you could have it get information back from the employee when the job's done, the process timer, consuming parts, uh, tracking data. That was what really turned us on to the digital portion of it and the potential for having embedded videos and 3D drawings that were interactive is what really changed it. That's That took us to the next level on work construction. So when you first look at a digital solution, of course, I wanted availability on the floor. So I didn't have to worry about paper copies. That was a big advantage. But the other part was the interactiveness of, of the apps and having them be intuitive to the person where they can get help, where they can click on different buttons, navigate to different areas. You can have it automatically indexed to the next truck or the next project you're working on. It opened up doors to a different type of interface other than just a manual process. Yeah, I remember seeing some of the early iterations of the apps, and already back then, they were a pretty comprehensive set of solutions. And so before learning Tulip, what was your experience building with digital solutions? I have a good example of this. I used to use Excel sheets for everything. And about a decade ago, I was at a company using Excel sheets to process information. And then we started using Microsoft Access, which was a, it's a way of using Excel sheets and creating your own apps, kind of like Tulip in a way, but very rudimentary. But you could create your own programs that way yeah. within that suite. So I was used to the idea of taking, it's like taking Excel to the next level. And now you've got actual program to run your Excel sheets. So that was very much what Tulip was. It was taking all that data and actually turning it into a, a functional tool that was pretty intuitive, actually. Once I understood the basics of how the, the apps ran and the databases, tables and stuff, then it was just plug and play. It was kind of like playing with Legos. I just get to start plugging things in. It was a, a great amount of fun. And unfortunately, I wish I could spend more time on using all the features. But it's really a wide open sandbox scenario. You could do almost anything you want to do with it. Limitations just your imagination. Yeah, that's true. I think it's pretty empowering. You know, we often see that when users start to learn the tool and understand its capabilities, people start to, to get all these ideas on how it can be used within their operations. 
And so you mentioned that you don't spend quite as much time anymore building apps. Can you describe a little bit about how your responsibilities have changed as you've learned these new sets of tools? So as I started, I initially built all the, the individual apps myself. And after we saw that this was a viable solution for our company, then I actually got more staff assigned to me. Then we actually started an ME department. And then I've turned over the process of building apps, modifying them to the individuals. I'm still the, the guru locally for that. So I still do the heavy lifting on the coding side of it. If, not that there's a lot of coding, but for the most part, the day-to-day operations are handled by other individuals underneath me, you know, modifying things, tweaking, you know, copying and pasting stuff, updating stuff. So right now I, I kind of just have an overview of it. I'll get in there to help with some of the, you know, a rollout. We actually, to have fun with it, we started doing our versions of it. We started calling it like Yankee Candle flavor. So the next <laughs> one is Tropical Star Fruit versus Home Escape or something fun. You know, like a, you have a, the jelly bean for uh, the phone apps and yeah. all that. So we did something similar with that. So the, when we do a big update like that to all of our work instructions, go through and update all the links, the, the routing of the apps. And I'm just involved with the kind of the big picture, what we need to change, supervise, make sure it gets done. And then they take over the actual implementation of it. So oh, That's great. I love that. And so in terms of the responsibilities of the team members, are they mostly focused on building solutions in Tulip? I would say about 75%. They have a lot of stuff to do in Epicor, some of our background ERP system, but they take all that data and spend most of the time in Tulip, you know, adding pictures, diagrams, modifying the actual work instructions. So they spend a good portion most of the day in Tulip. Oh, yeah. And actually, now that you mentioned, I remember seeing, it's probably a few months ago now, posts in the Tulip community from colleagues of yours asking about how to set up this integration. Do you mind describing how this integration works today, how the data flows between the two systems? Yeah, uh, right now, all of our supply information, our parts, our inventory, and our bill of materials for the truck or product that we build is through our Epicor system. And the only way to access that right now is the Epicor interface. There was a connector option for Tulip for these third-party applications, and we finally got it to work. And right now, what we use it for is we'll pull a bill of material or other databases from Epicor and process that through Tulip, you know, to get information for what app we're trying to build. And then we just recently made a connector where Tulip actually feeds back into Epicor, giving information and consumption of parts. And that's what really changed the game for us is when we could, pulling information was great, but once we could actually push information back, it works actually better than Epicor's interface. It's quicker to use a Tulip interface to pull a, a bill of material than it is to use Epicor interface. And there's also a licensing issue with Epicor. You have to have every um, desktop, I guess, interface for Epicor, there's a license fee for. So you only have so many of them, kind of like Tulip in that way. But it's a very slow interface. It doesn't work really well. So with Tulip, we can just target a specific piece of information you want on Epicor and, and it pops up immediately versus 15, 20 seconds in Epicor, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when you're trying to click through screens rapidly. Yeah, I'm sure it adds up. Yes, it does. Yeah, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume that a lot of these tasks, you know, kind of the transaction of information and so forth can be done in the background while the team member who's assembling the tractor can focus on actually assembling the tractor. Right. Actually, using Tulip as an interface for Epicor is actually better than using Epicor app itself <laughs> in a lot of ways. We just have to set up the connectors to run in that sense, what we're trying to pull on off the information. So yeah. it's worked out pretty well. It was a little hard to get it working initially. There was some local networking issues. And I know there was a ticket put in for a while back for something to do with the Tulip, but we got all that figured out. I think July 1st, it got resolved. So it's all working really well. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's probably only been a couple of months now since you've actually fully deployed these solutions. But have you already been able to measure some of the benefits that these solutions have brought to your operations? I haven't actually measured it. We've committed to it full time. It's not even a question if it's valuable or not to the company. It's essential at this point. I would say it, on average, takes us about eight hours to do a process of developing a work instruction and doing the revisions. That same process without Tulip would probably be around 24 to 40 hours because of the nature of changing things manually. And, that, and you, whether it's PowerPoint or it's a, a PDF or, or anything, it's just Tulip. Every time I want to do an update, I go to each app, make the change, and I publish, and it's done. It goes right to the floor. Otherwise, I'd be out there printing documents, laminating, putting them into binders, chasing down, you know, every grammatical error that somebody makes. It's an instantaneous change versus having to physically go out there and do all the changes. I can't even imagine how much time it would take us at this point. It's not even something I even bother calculating because it's it's unthinkable. (laughs) Yep. I'm sure you're quite familiar with quite a few Yankee Candle flavors by now then. Right. So you mentioned that new team members were brought on board to help you build these apps. But for you specifically, do you mind sharing new opportunities that have presented themselves because of these new skills that you learned? Yeah, this really made the ME department successful. Uh, This is something we could show that gave us initial success right away, especially my role in it. I was able to show a solution right off the bat. I mean, when you you come into an area and you have a problem and you develop a solution quickly, automatically there's the promotion opportunities, the more responsibility. So I would directly tie the discovering this app and utilize as a company as one of our solutions that's forwarded my career here. I mean, I get to move on to the next thing with robotics. We're bringing robotics into our company now with a robotic welder. And I get assigned those tasks because finding a solution like this proves that I can go solve something for the company. Yeah, Thinking kind of outside the box. So it's definitely helped me out uh, on a personal level here at the company. And building with apps and stuff, you don't have to know code. It's visually basic. It's easy to, to plug stuff in. So um, I do a little 3D printing on the side at home. I, I do some drawings on uh, CAD systems and stuff. And I don't know what to say other than it's just fun to play with. Yeah, I know. I like how you described it earlier about it being like building with Legos. You know, I definitely see it this way as well, where it's it's very modular. You have little blocks that you put together and you kind of grow and add on bolt on new components as you get more ideas right you know and i assume you probably have had some of these conversations with the team members on your me team but you know what would you recommend to an engineer who's just graduating or something who's curious about learning these new technologies i would start with something basic think about how you use excel sheets to process information that lends itself very well to tulip And then the navigation between the Excel sheets or navigation between data, that's where Tulip really uh, excels at. So start with something basic about pulling information, manipulating that information and going on to another step. And really the step basis where the big advantage is for a process engineer would be you want to document a process. Well, with Tulip, it's very easy to document the process and have the next step automatically show up with the manipulation of triggers and, and other things like that. Yeah, yeah start, starting small. But one of the things I, I did kind of agonize when I first started on this was how to structure the overall app system. And starting off with a plan is a good way to start. You have to give it some thought because you can go a couple different ways with Tulip apps when you're trying to do processes. You can make one app that has lots of triggers that go to different apps or next steps and processes. Or you can go the route of making an individual app for every specific instance that will um, show up in your your process. 
you know, I have a, a truck that maybe has a thousand operations, distinct operations we need to do. And one way I could have done that, you could break those up into 50 or 60 individual processes. I could have 50 or 60 individual processes that kind of act like a tree that you navigate down the tree to complete a job, but I'd have to have all these links perfect. And anytime we do changes, it would be very hard to keep those links in place. So instead, we're going to end up making a thousand different apps that are navigated through uh, our bill of material that will directly call those up. That system seemed better for us, but figuring out which way we wanted to go is important when you're starting this out. Do you want to have something that you navigate within the different apps or do you want to have kind of a database that pulls those apps individually? Yeah. I think that would be one thing I'd recommend to think about before they start implementing it. Yeah, I've definitely seen that, you know, having something, even a very simple workflow before you start building is really useful to plan out the solutions as you build them. Yep. And so all the team members that are on the ME team, are they are they all eager to, to start building solutions in Tulip? Yeah, they love it. They're not MEs by training. They were off the factory floor or we've had some aspiring. One of them is a student, a mechanical engineering student. And they just got in there and they love playing around with it. And the triggers, especially having to go to the next app. In an environment with manufacturing, especially in the U.S., I think we're a little behind on the manufacturing front. Everything's old school. It's all archaic and manually based. We have a plasma table that uses a floppy disk to put information. <laughs> so when they get here, they're like, we're in the dark ages. And using something like this just makes it seem relevant to the, especially the younger generation that we're actually doing stuff that's uh, up to date. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, actually, I don't think it's only in the US. I think around the world, it's always pretty surprising to see how far back technology has been left in operations. You know, it's definitely a few decades old. So it's it's always really exciting to see when there are new technologies that are being developed specifically for operations. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think of the future of manufacturing that we all hope won't have too many floppy disks, right. what is it that excites you about new technologies that are coming down the pipeline? Just all the tools out there, especially with, uh, you know, I saw something with Google Glass, not Google Glass, but they have a version of it where you have work instructions pop up on a pair of safety glasses, like a, a display. But being able to integrate the technology, especially with Tulip, where you can have work instructions, how to build something right into a heads up display or have that vision camera that Tulip has where you can uh, do a geofencing or identify the part as being built correctly before it indexes it. We're just starting out with our automation process and improving the process overall, but I'd like to see an automated assembly line where we, we have all sorts of different tools in place to, to move things in a quick manner and start using all the features available. There's just so much opportunity for growth here. I mean, the digital tools available to you can increase efficiency so much. We're just not using them yet. I think the opportunity that is exciting is that you can improve it by such a large margin. We're not talking a couple percentage points, but like 20 or 30% efficiency improvements just with the technology alone. It's there for the taking. You just have to implement it and put it in place, especially with today's workforce. It is a high turnover, very high turnover rate, and people lose interest quickly. So having something that's pre-built and they can just follow along quickly is, is essential for being productive. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I mean, you know, nowadays in the workforce that's coming up, you know, kind of that the aspiring student that you were mentioning earlier, they're all probably digital natives. Absolutely. So they can pick up these technologies in no time. We actually had an intern. She's in Georgia Tech right now. And I hope to get her back during her college breaks and afterwards. But she literally picked this stuff up in hours where it took weeks for some of my other employees to pick it up. It was her language. She just picked it up so quick. Yeah. Solid work, all of it. And she was building fantastic apps within hours. It didn't even take a whole day. 
it was intuitive to her. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, this was awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing all the insight, some of the things that you're excited about in the future of manufacturing. It's been awesome to see all the solutions you've built. And thanks again for joining. Thanks for having me. Behind the Ops is brought to you by Tulip. Connect the people, machines, devices, and systems used in your production and logistics processes with our revolutionary no-code frontline operations platform. Visit tulip.co to learn more. This show is produced by myself, Giovanni Carrara, and edited by Tom Obarski. If you enjoyed listening, one really easy way to support the show is to leave us a quick rating or even review in iTunes as it really helps other folks find the show. If you have any feedback for this or any of our other episodes, you can reach us at giovanni at tulip.co. Thank you for listening to Behind the Ops. We'll see you next time.